Good morning. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of The Future of Email. My guest today, my buddy, Jack Wrigley of Webula. Jack. Yes. Nice to, nice to see you. Good to see you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. It's good to be seen. You, you're, you're a guy with some serious time in the email space, yes? Well, uh, I think so. But I, think so. I compare my... When I compare myself to others, I, I'm still maybe a newbie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, take people a bit backwards, Webula now, and then at least a couple of the companies and activities before that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, I kind of uh, uh, wandered into the email industry back in 2014. <laughs> um, I, I won't bore you with all the details, but I was approached by a, a VC in Dallas um, with regard to this company that they were looking at potentially investing in. Mm-hmm. And at the time, that that little company was called Kickbox. And um, I met Dan, um, you know, the primary founder of the company, and uh, we just totally hit it off. Um, I had had some experience in email, specifically around integrating email into a mobile application. So I had a kind of a general idea of, you know, kind of the technical aspect of email and whatnot. Um, but uh, he and I joined forces and never looked back and we kind of built built Kickbox over a seven-year period. Um, we sold that company in late two, 2020, um, so almost two years ago, which is almost hard to believe, and um, continued to uh, to work there for about a year. Um, and then when I decided to leave, I reached out to the the industry. And of course, Webula has always been uh, a, a gracious company, a friendly competitor, if you will. Uh-huh. And um, it just worked out. So Webula was looking for someone like me, and I was looking for someone like them. and here we are. There so you go. And that, I, that kind I, of brings you up to. Right. I had the opportunity to have uh, your colleague from Webula, Jenna, um, yeah, on an episode. Gosh, I think she was twenty twenty one or earlier earlier on for this uh, podcast. But uh, yeah. run run down for people what Webula does and focuses on because it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, for sure. So the the core Webula is a data company. Uh, we have kind of two facets of that. Uh, one is uh, known as email hygiene. Um, I like to call it uh, threat detection, but at the end of the day, it's a combination of email verification Mm -hmm. uh, plus a number of filters that um, we help identify kind of nefarious things and deliverable email that can really cause, you know, legitimate marketers issues. Um, The other side of our business is um, definitely data driven. And um, I tend to not necessarily hang out on that side of the business too much, but um, very respected. Uh, we've been in business for 13 years. Oh, really? Um, wow. Didn't realize the, that. The, yeah. No, I mean, it's it's a great story. And just, you know, high-level story, you know, Webula started out as an ESP. I don't know if you're aware of that. I did not but, know that. Yeah. So, and I mean, like like everything else, you know, the, the company started out down one path. Yeah. And uh, quickly, uh, their, their customers were running into, guess what? Deliverability issues. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, the smart Smart folks at Webula started creating their own technology around helping uh, the customers at that time with their deliverability issues. And it just morphed into, gosh, the, the, the challenges of deliverability and coming up with great tool sets to help uh, you know, reach the inbox far outweighed just sending emails. So the ESP portion was, was dropped off and the company has ever since stayed focused on you know, quality data and helping, helping marketers. I read somewhere once that every every company in the social in the sort of social media space starts as a dating platform. I wonder if we. 
I wonder if we'll find that every company in email started as an ESP. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of the technology companies did. You know, I mean, from, I mean if you really think about it, yeah. um, what starts the whole process is hitting send, is right? Then, yeah. And that's where it kind of goes off into this crazy world that most people that hit send have no idea yep. really what's going on. Well, and even after... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I, yeah, I was going to say, even after so many years in the business, I'm not totally sure what goes on after you hit send. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 nuts. And and we're already guilty of a little bit of, of more than a little bit of inside baseball because, you know, five years ago, if someone would have said deliverability, I would have said that's a bummer of a speech impediment. And, and now, <laughs> <laughs> now I use the term. But oh, yeah. that that, you know, I hit send and it actually arrives. It's not that simple. And there's right. a lot of astonishingly voluntary industry self-policing to try to keep us all from being <laughs> completely submerged in emails we didn't ask for. And that to me, oh. what deliverability is all about. Yeah, there's no doubt. And you know, there's uh, really that kind of comes into two general buckets. There, there's legitimate email marketers that just run into issues. Mm -hmm. they're, they're making mistakes. Um, there's no ill will intent. But then, of course, you have the the other side that are the spammers and things of that nature. And yeah, yeah. Um, you know, fortunately, on the on the spammer side of the the business, most of those folks are looking for the cheapest, fastest way to do something. Yeah, um, yeah. One of the one of the great things, at least about uh, you know Webula, is we're we're not self service. We're not the cheapest. I mean, there's lots of really cool safeguards put in to ensure that we're only dealing with legitimate legitimate folks. But um, it's it's astonishing at how how much how much of a challenge it is for a legitimate company to deliver email at times. Well, and, and how expensive it is to make a mistake. I mean, I read somewhere that, that, a, you know, a, a good size boo-boo, let's call it that, um, from a, from a domain can kind of take them out oh. of, out of, out of play in terms of successful delivery of messages for a long time, weeks, months. Oh, it takes, it can take an awful long time to, to fix a mistake. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, the, you, you mentioned uh, deliverability just as a term and, you know, years ago, it was kind of like, uh, what, you know, or like, what was that garbly goop that came out of your mouth? <laughs> that really started to change probably three years ago. It's, it's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, and if you, if you kind of look back in time, there were, there were some key deliverability experts in our industry five years ago. And I won't name names, but there's there there were just these hallmark. Oh, check with him or check with her or, well, gosh, now it's like everybody's a deliverability expert. Everybody has a deliverability process or a solution or a program. There's lots of deliverability platforms now to help senders, and it does just go to the fact that deliverability is absolutely key, and it can absolutely kill, uh, you know, your ability to generate revenue if that's what you're trying to do. Yeah. 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 Yeah, or 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 simply communicate with your customers. Really? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's easy to think in terms of the the hit on the marketing use of email, but if you had a serious deliverability issue and order confirmation, shipment notifications weren't getting to people, oh, that'd be a problem. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I was uh, I, I monitor a a Slack channel uh, that's specific to the email world, and um, it's it's really interesting to see what uh, um, kind of what effort has gone in by ESPs yes. to really segregate, if you will, um, those types of messages versus other messages to ensure that 
you know, transactional type email messages are not slowed down or not stopped. Yeah. Um, you know, years ago, I'll give you a quick little anecdotal story that, that's kind of interesting. Years ago, um, I was working with a company who it was really important for a reservation to get to a person that just built, you know, created something online, right? Mm -hmm. Well, they were having issues. The, the person would create the reservation and then they wouldn't get the email. I mean, how how annoying is that? And and the, the annoying part is the customer would then pick up the phone and place the phone call into the 800 call center, which is an extremely expensive you know, component of customer service, right? Yeah. If you can handle it with an email, it's much less expensive than handling it with a physical call. So those types of things are real. Um, and it absolutely can, you know, have kind of crazy impact just, just on your brand. Just, you know, gosh, I'd be, I, I got this room and nobody ever sent me an email. Well, yeah, we did. It just didn't deliver. It's really interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And, and it, 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 it points to the underlying fact that email, which has, you know, which is one of the longest lived of the digital channels, it, it's, it's become part of the fabric of life, right? Where oh, people gosh. keep stuff, where, how do the people expect to get stuff? And, and that's actually one of the things that fascinates me about this space. Like there's plenty of surprisingly complex tech challenges, but the, the, the social, cultural, global, if you will, fit of that humble looking media is it's it's quite astonishing it's got reach well i mean and when you, when you really sit back i mean i i don't think uh well i think a lot of people in our industry realize this but when you really sit back and understand that an email address is the key to virtually anything today um especially think about the pandemic when everybody moved mm -hmm. from an office to you know leveraging tools like what we're using today zoom or amazon that all starts with an email address yeah yeah it all starts I mean, with that crazy right yeah. you're like yeah my gosh yeah 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 cool. if you don't have a don't have an email address you're digitally homeless i think uh ryan Phelan said <laughs> uh, yeah and the, anybody know how many people don't have an email address that'd be an interesting stat well it there's it, it it is fascinating though that um there are a couple of there are a couple of places on the planet where it's just not it's just not the same thing china in particular um, if you ask someone in China their email address, they're going to, uh, hang on a second, I think I might, et cetera. Oh, really? Yeah, because um, the, the the app the app world is so predominant there. Everything runs through, I think it's, I think it's uh, WeChat. Everything yep. runs through WeChat. You know, you buy stuff, you pay stuff, you get transactions or records, et cetera, et cetera. Some of the same, some of the same functions that email serves, although obviously not the level playing field, open internet standards that email's built on. So that's True. a differenti differentiator, right? Yeah. They, yeah, that's pretty they cool. got their own set of rules anyway. We'll, yeah. we'll use the loosey goosey once we've got here. Um, switch gears for a second. Sure. What was it like to go through the buyout process after seven years with Kickbox? That, that had to have been quite a ride. <laughs> Yeah. Um, gosh, I, I think that could be answered in so many different ways, right? <laughs> um, because, you know, the, the, the first one um, that just pops to mind is the emotional aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've heard analogies of, oh, that's my baby and, you know, all of those things. And I'm telling you, man, it is absolutely the truth. Yeah. It is an extremely bizarre situation to basically hand over the, the, the keys 
and become a writer versus the driver. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy thing. And I think for founders and people that are kind of involved in early stage startups, it's, it's a real emotional aspect of, of the, the game. Now, of course, everybody always says, oh yeah, the payouts are great and all of that kind of stuff. Okay. That is, that is one aspect, but what's really interesting to me is that while that's an element of why I suppose entrepreneurs do what they do, um, I don't think that's the driver behind what why entrepreneurs do what they do. I think I think an exit, I think making money that way is a byproduct of wanting to, you know, create change, wanting to, you know, do something maybe better, wanting to, you know, create a product that can help fill a need or a gap or a niche or something of that nature. I think that's the real driving factor. And so when you get to that point where you're kind of handing those keys over, um, it's a really weird, weird thing. There, there's no doubt about it. Hmm. Yeah. And, and probably took, probably just takes some time at psychological, emotional ad, ad, adjustment, right? It's not your, it's not your possession anymore, so to speak. Oh yeah. Let me, let me tell you. And, uh, I, I wouldn't, uh, um, you know, suggest for a moment that my, my new patent found pals at, you know, Webula probably scratch their heads sometimes and go, dude, quit thinking that way or, or, and not in a bad way. It's just, it's just the way I'm sometimes wired, right? Because you, you've had sort of this position or this viewpoint within a company for so long, and then you move to another company, your tendency is to just kind of maintain that viewpoint. And uh, something that I've been kind of personally trying to challenge myself with is to back off that, I'll call it a ledge, because <laughs> it's not really a bad ledge, but kind of back off that a little bit and you know learn to apply you know my knowledge, my relationships, my capabilities, my thought around you know, some other things rather than leading a company, rather than, you know, setting the course of a company and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a really interesting dynamic. And I'll tell you flat out, I'm grateful for Webula because they've allowed me a lot of time and grace and to kind of work through that because that, that has been um, kind of a challenge to be honest. So, yeah, well, ownership, yeah, it's a tough balance. I mean, as, as, as an entrepreneur, as a, as a, as a company owner, I'm, I, I'm way, way too invested, right? It's not, right. it's not, you know, a job that you, that you drive oh, shut off. Sure. Uh, it can be very hard to stay uh, even remotely balanced, obviously. Um, and you, you, what's the word I'm looking for? To, to do that startup thing well, you have to be willing to do anything, everything it takes to move the company forward. Absolutely. And, you know, that goes to, it's, it's interesting because I always um, took the, the viewpoint in building kickbox. It, it wasn't about, you know, selling the next deal per se. It was all about positioning the brand and ensuring that anybody that came to that company felt welcomed, felt you know, like people were communicating quickly, yeah. you know, there, there were, there, there was no, no shame there. It was just like, yeah, we're here to help you. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that that mentality is extremely important when you're building a company. It's, it's, it's not, um, you, you just have to be willing to kind of do what is necessary to ensure the customer is happy and to ensure that your brand maintains a, you know, a strong position in the industry. And yeah. you do those things right and well, and you will naturally just grow. It, the, the revenue will come because people want to do business with you that way. Yeah. yeah. And could, you're, you're actually making their lives better in, in a fundamental sense. Solving. A yeah. And you're willing to do it on a Saturday morning if you have to. Yeah. Yeah. If you have to. 
Um, yeah. I, in this uh, post-pandemic moment that we're at and, and a substantial reinvention of work moment, uh, I, I would think that the advantage startups and small companies have is the potential for an ownership mindset to be more part of the culture. I know lar- there are plenty of large companies that are struggling with what's, what's the term, the quiet quitting, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, I'll just work within these, these, you know, these boundaries of my job, mm-hmm. not whatever it takes or whatever the customer needs. And I would think startups have an, an, an advantage there culturally. Um, I don't know how, how well it scales, how big it can get. It, it, it's got to, there've got to be some good experiments that we don't know about going on right now. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm still pretty familiar with a few startups that have kind of navigated through the, the pandemic. And, and I'll tell you that I think one of the biggest, uh, things that I've noticed is that, um, it's more important today to ensure that, uh, the culture of your company to ensure that what you are as a company is really articulated out to your employee base because employees are fragmented now. They're, they're not all meeting in an office where there's maybe motivational posters up and, you know, people are, how you doing today, Matthew? You know, they're, they're, there's none of that stuff going on. And so I think it's more important today than ever to ensure that um, who you are as a company, what you stand for, what your goals are, kind of what's your mission statement, man? What are you trying to do? That's a super valuable thing to ensure everybody across your organization understands um, because you are lacking that, that one-on-one kind of, uh, kind of intimacy of, of relationships, right? And then in the startup world, it's it's almost compounded because startups are naturally, hey, let's lower let's lower costs. We won't have an office. This is great. So it's almost in, it's it's more important for a for a startup for a small company to ensure that what it is they're trying to do is emulated and understood across every aspect, and and to work with each employee to help them identify how they help get the company to where it's going, right? So in some ways, it's really awesome. In other ways, I think it's a tremendous opportunity to sort of reinvent what it means to, um, you know, have employees really understand what you're doing as a business and not only understand like, oh, the mission statement, we're going to be the greatest ride hauling share app in the world, but really understanding how what they do affects that mission statement. I think that's a really important thing today. I, you know what? That was extremely well put. Thank you. (laughs) That really was. And you know, you think about, you just think about it from a human, humanistic level, like we're, 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 we're wired to connect with each other. We're wired to be social, arguably we're wired to be tribal and when going into a physical space and, and being live with coworkers doing some of the same stuff to help move something forward, yeah, yeah you're going to absorb that, right? It's going to become part, For sure. part yeah. of how you inform your decisions. And now you're, you're. You're in Texas in Webulus based on the East Coast, if I recall right. Yes? Yeah, I, I, I work out at Dallas, Texas, and uh, Webula is headquartered in just north of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, you know, uh, a few states away, an hour time difference away. And, and quite frankly, what's really interesting about it also is, is the company was formed and built out of Pennsylvania, and, and it's a different, and it's, a, it's really cool to meet people from different parts of the country in terms of how they assess things, whether it's, you know, news going on in the world or whatever that might be, right? So there's even a, a challenge at times, not only the physical challenge and the, the, you know, from, hey, I'm here, they're there, 
we've got, you know, developers in, in other parts of the, the world, let's say it's, it's not only that physical, but it's just the, it's understanding how everybody sort of thinks about certain things and trying to get to a place where everybody's comfortable either talking about them or feels comfortable that, Hey, we're all part of the same kind of tribe. If that makes sense. It's really interesting. Was Kickbox more uh, geographically in the same place? Yeah. So for the most part, up until we got acquired, absolutely. Everybody with the exception of, uh, you know, a couple people. Yeah. uh, And when I say everybody, it was, you know, I I don't know, we ended up with 15 employees or something like that. But um, yeah, everybody was in Dallas, Dallas. but, but I had a salesperson in the UK and it was, um, it was such a cool thing to ensure that he always felt part of the company. Yeah. And I think to this day, if you were to ask him, he would unequivocally say, never really felt detached. I mean, there might be, you know, the occasional, hell, I didn't know that decision was being made. Yeah. Right. Because maybe it got made in the office. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. but in terms of feeling as part of the company, I, I can assure you that he, he would probably say never, ever felt that I wasn't part of that company. Yeah. Which is really cool. Good for you guys. Like the not not easy to pull off, and it sounds like uh, sounds like Webula's done a heck of a job as as well. Um, I didn't realize I didn't realize yeah. that the cultural gap for, was from from uh, Pennsylvania, but that actually makes sense of some interactions. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know one one of the things that uh, one of the things that Webula has done that I think is really cool is um, they have maintained a Friday social, and um, it's it's a time when. Every Friday, same time, everybody jumps on Zoom. Yeah, and um, it's it's actually really fun. You know, giant hat tip, hat, uh, hat tip to uh, you know Vince and Doug and the, the people that kind of implemented it. But it's it's an opportunity to you know ask a stupid question and what's your answer, right? Um, and everybody gets to kind of say, oh, well, yeah, I like Taylor Swift better than Madonna or whatever that might be, right? But then, but then it's an opportunity for you know everybody to say, hey. How was your week and what was great about it? Right. Right. And so it sort of sets up this 30 minute sort of opportunity where everybody sort of huddles around the, 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 the water cooler. Everybody gets to, you know, be silly and, and kind of talk about their, their week. Um, and it's pretty beneficial in terms of kind of keeping that cohesiveness of a company in this kind of crazy where, where people are spread out time. I would think so. I would think so. Yeah, it's good. Um, and, and it doesn't have, I'm going to guess, does not have. Uh, uh, an agenda. We've got to cover A, B, and C. It's intentionally open. Uh, it's wide open. There's just a handful of kind of high level questions. First one is always silly question. We're going to answer a silly question. Literally, it can be something like, um, you know, what what's your least favorite food? I mean, it's just, and then everybody goes around and answers yeah. what's their least favorite food. Yeah, or, hey, if you're given given an opportunity to have a million dollars today or you know, $10 million in 10 years, what would you take? You know, and everybody gets to off, you know, so, so you go through that and then, and then it moves into, all right, how was everybody's week? And, you know, Matthew, how was it? Tell us a little bit about it. You know, a little, you know, high level kind of, you know, chatter about what you did. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I uh, highly recommend it. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a great idea. I've got a, I've got a few standing uh, things on my schedule with, with close colleagues. And what I've really learned to treasure about them is that we, there really isn't uh, an agenda. We're not trying to get through A, B, and C. It, it seems like a casual check-in, but it usually ends up being the smartest, you know, smartest moment of the day. 
like, oh, wow, yeah. I'm saying that, that, well, that was really useful, right? With, with, yeah. with no, with no, you know, hardcore reason to do it. Um, and I had the fascinating experience. You probably had this as well. I was at my first conference in a good couple of years, uh, last June. In fact, I'll pick on your colleague, Jenna. I, I walk into where people are starting to gather. This is in Las Vegas in an email conference. There's Jenna. And I had this stutter step in my head of, I'm getting to meet my friend for the first time live. And that momentary, do I give her a hug? Do I not? I let her, <laughs> I let her take the lead on that. Cause, yeah, yeah. You know, cause it'd be the right thing to do, but it was, it was bizarre to meet people live that I felt I feel I know well for the first time. Oh yeah. It was fun, but it was bizarre. I walked around the corner. I'm yeah. like, Della, yay. We'd never met live before. Yeah. Yeah. Really trippy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. I don't, I don't think we'll repeat this particular social experiment. Let's hope not. Uh, yeah, no kidding. But probably we've all probably uh, learned a bit. I could feel the, I could feel some of the social, uh, social w version of workplace skills kind of atrophying over time, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's different <laughs> being on a screen than being yeah. a real, real yeah. live person. Yeah. You know, I, I experienced something similar uh, at an email conference just a couple, couple months ago. And, um, what was really cool, at least for me, it was one thing to, to meet people for the first time, mm -hmm. but what was really cool is to see people that I haven't seen in two years that I yeah. used to see once or twice a year at yeah. conferences yeah. and to, to see them physically and kind of give them a hug. That yeah. was awesome. Yeah. That was, yeah. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps mentioning it, but it was, it was way cool. Yeah. Really yeah. neat. That, that, uh, that eagerness to recon reconnect, I, 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 I used to avoid conferences more than a few times a year. And now I actually look forward to them for that very reason. Right. Yeah. I, I'll give you a funny, stupid little story. At that particular conference, I set up a zoom call to talk to somebody about, you know, partnerships and stuff like that. Right. That we're working on a, a program. <clears throat> call me goofy or whatever, but I was in San Francisco. He is in San Francisco and I was having a zoom call, not knowing that he was in San Francisco. And I had this Zoom call like the day I was leaving. Yeah. And all of a sudden we're sitting there talking. He goes, wait a minute, you're in San Francisco? I said, yeah, where are you? I'm in San Francisco. And I'm like, oh my God, all this time we could have, yeah. you know, yeah. met for a beer or a coffee yeah. or yeah. whatever. Right? Yes. Isn't that weird? It's yeah. like, you know, we just assume everybody's right here in this neat little box. <laughs> and in fact, you know, yeah. I'm ever in, you're up in Bellingham, right? Oh, good memory. Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. So if I ever am in Bellingham, yeah, you know, it would be weird to, yeah, Matthew, let's have a Zoom call and then go, right, wait a minute, you're you're in Bellingham? What? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> we 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 did, we'll get off the pandemic stuff in a sec, but we did try in when it was really the height of the thing, right? When you when it felt like yeah. you'd shrunk wrapped the house. Uh we we yeah. we would do board games or card games with friends on on you know, on Zoom, it's like very unsatisfactory. Oh my gosh. But, but good effort. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like points for track. What I realized is that was bloody exhausting too. Oh, I'm sure. It, that, that take turns and that, oh wait, what, what card? Like, God. how about, <laughs> how about cheaters? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lots of cheating going on with Zoom. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's true. And some, especially some of the really uh, <laughs> competitive ones. Um, yeah. Let's go forward facing a bit since yeah. the nominal framework around this is the future of email. When we were chatting yeah. just briefly beforehand, you mentioned email and SMS, which is which yeah. I find is a great lens to look at how these channels are evolving. What are, what are your, some of your initial thoughts about the, the trajectory and direction of, of email and SMS, if you'd like? Yeah, well, I just think that, um, I, I think the biggest challenge with the email industry, well, let's, let's first put the flag in the ground and say email is still king. I don't care what anybody says. It is still the driver. And, it, and it's simple stuff like, hey, you want to send an SMS? Uh, an SMS? Well, guess what? You better have an email address. I mean, it's so, right? The only way you're sending an SMS on an iPhone is if you've logged into something and the way yeah. you log in is with the yeah. freaking email address. Anyway, yeah. the, the point is email is king. But I think one of the challenges that we have as an industry is con is sometimes we, 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 we want to default back to things we've been saying maybe for the last 10 years as a defense mechanism to, you know, do this to any kind of new, new type of technology coming in. I, I, and I'll just give you an anecdotal story. I think a year and a half, two years ago, if you would have legitimately sat down with somebody and said, what do you think of SMS and email ever converging? There's only a few people in our industry that would have gone, yeah, that's absolutely going to happen. Today, it's everywhere. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you, you send on virtually any platform yet now have the ability to send a text as well. Right. Um, and so I just think that it's important for us as an industry to not always, and, and I'm not gen, I don't want to generalize because not everybody does this. And the, as, the, as an industry as, as a whole, I think we do, but there's a lot of really cool, innovative thought coming out of the industry, but I think it's important to just not always rely on, well, this is how we've been doing it for the last four no, years. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's super cool. And I'll give you an example of that. Deliverability. Two, three, four years ago, deliverability was exactly what you said it was. It was this kind of weird kind of name. And, you know, I agree, it's garbly goop. There were a few key people. And again, I won't name names, but really smart people in deliverability that are still there today. We have basically fast forwarded to where there's deliverability experts virtually on every street corner now. There's multiple platforms that can help you with deliverability. It's no longer just return path. You know, return path forever owned that, that space for the most part, right? Well, gosh, now there's a whole cornucopia of different things, which is really cool. And so I think that as an industry, we have to continue to evolve. We have to continue to think a little bit outside the box. We have to continue to guard the kingdom from the nefarious stuff, but also understand that there are people that are legitimate marketers that need help that are getting into some trouble, but, but we can help those folks get out of some trouble and become better stewards of the industry. So I, you know, that's, that's the way I look at this. You know, we, we, we have this really awesome platform, really awesome historic perspective, and we need to leverage that to continue to look forward so that people, you know, it, it sounds stupid, but people's lives are better. You know, what they need gets, gets yeah, delivered yeah, faster. Yeah, yeah. Their ability to do things improves with speed. All of those things, I think, can emulate out of the email industry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, well put and, and agreed. Um, the, the, the shape of things that we think of as normal is, is 
I suspect quite skewed, quite affected by how it happens to work in the U.S. Um, and I'll give you an example. Uh, Scott Cohen, email marketer of the year, was a yeah. was a guest on this program a couple weeks ago. And great guy. In, yeah, great guy. <laughs> Boy, he's sharp too. And he knows his oh, face yeah. really well. But he was telling me oh, yeah. in in the job and the companies in now that messaging SMS. SMS, MMS messaging is, is under his purview as well. So he's starting to take what he's known, learned over a long career in the email space and open up to that. And he said, well, he said, it's really fascinating to learn words to that effect. He said, but, uh, just, just the cost factor is a big deal. And he said, it costs about 10 times as much to SMS in the UK as it does in the U S. Right. It's already expensive here. Right, and you already want to be smart and selective, yeah. both for the cost reasons and for the customer attention and engagement reasons. But if you add a zero to the end of it because you're in the UK, I'm going to bet the practices are really different. Um, so we've got to be a little careful not to go. Well, SMS, you know, cost about no here it costs about X. You know, there's cost differential, right? So the market penetration of iPhone is Y. It's not necessarily yeah. the shape of things. Elsewhere, I'm a I'm a longtime student of 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 media broadly, but particularly digital media, and I watched SMS evolve in Europe and and the U.S. very differently. And you can oh, for see, sure, yeah, you can see the remnants of it now. And yeah. as we're starting to bring it in and and sort of say, okay, it belongs in quasi the same world or under the same purview as as email as a channel. I mean, they're always talking to the customer ultimately, right? Um, right. There's 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 a bit of history to learn that can really help you do a better job with it. Yeah, so I think that um, you know it's interesting because there's a there's a number of buckets that to me kind of falls into. So so one is engagement. You know, um, even though SMS or MMS is more costly, uh, the engagement and, and you know the conversion oftentimes is much much better. And so you have to weigh that. The other thing is, is to me, it's not about you. It's it's about effectively leveraging SMS as a complementary piece to email, and and I would not propose, and I don't, I don't even think. Well, there there might be some SMS MMS platforms out there that say get rid of email, but but at the end of the day, I think that they can be very complementary, right. and the cost to send an MMS or an SM, SMS to a customer can then be blended with the the email that originally went out to, to something. I'll give you one little anecdotal story. Say I'm, uh, I go into a store and uh, they're out of what I want, um, but when, they, when it comes in, I'm buying it. And so I'm, I'm set up in the, the normal channel of email, but then all of a sudden when that product comes in, I get, I get my, my text, my SMS or yeah, MMS yeah. that says, hey, it's ready, buy it type thing, right? Right, right. right. But the, the cut, those actions, I think, need to. Uh, there, there's got to be a blend overall in terms of the the amount that it costs to convert that sale. It's going to be higher than just an email, but it's not going to be just a standalone. Yeah, you know, just a standalone. You know, text message either. And so, there's things that we could probably do as an industry to really, uh, you know, push out kind of the blended cost, the blended opportunity, and and how to best use those in a complementary fashion, so that you're not just sending out. A million email, and then you're sending out a million texts. That's that's you know, not really, you know, the the process that should be adopted. Well, and 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 
hopefully will start uh, understanding, formulating, and sharing what, what's, it, what's effective. And I mean that in the fundamental, better for everyone, effective. Because right now, I'm sure there are plenty of experiments going on, but I'm guessing there are companies finding, ah, you know what, sending everything in text is dumb. Customers don't like it. They opt out. Okay. What, you know, what is the handoff point? I, 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 I had a chance to, I had a chance to see my doctor. It'd been years <laughs> recently. And I was actually kind of delighted when I got a text the night before saying, you know, Hey dummy, you've got an appointment with Dr. So-and-so because last time I'd interacted with him, nothing like that. And it was a, it was a good use right. of that high interrupt, high engagement channel. And an email saying the same thing I might not have seen on Sunday night. I might not have seen till Monday morning, right? Right. Um, but if everything from them came via text, I'd be I'd soon be on the shut up button. Yeah. So so there's a couple of things. It's so funny, but we're I think we're of similar age or something because we're we're now getting notified by doctors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is hilarious. But I literally got a text from a doctor that I hadn't seen in three years. And and it's and it's that's the proper time, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's not like I should have been seeing sooner, but I got it. And it was at the back of my mind. It's like, man, it's probably getting close to that time, right? <clears throat> I got, I got a text, and I was like, oh, I, you know, I remembered it, but that was a pretty cool use of, you know, getting yeah. a text because, to your point, sending an email can get buried. It can, you know, there's there's other things that can happen, but I think overall. My my high level understand or, uh, you know feeling on on SMS and MMS is that it's still kind of a toy. It's still sort of a novelty, and I think it will mature to better uh, you know so that people don't get tired of getting texts because you've already heard. Oh, if I get just like you said, if I get a lot of texts, it's gonna you know I'm gonna either delete it or start marking it as you know I don't want you know blocking it. Yeah. Um. So there will be that inflection, and I think it's starting, and you're probably gonna see a ton of it this holiday season. Um, and people will kind of lick their wounds and go, oh my God, I had a lot of people like, you know, opt out of this process. And so there's going to be this sort of natural kind of understanding of how they work together and how best to approach a, a customer. Because again, here's where it's similar. If you send something relevant, golden, just like you got your notification from your doctor, golden. Yeah. yeah. If you're just pounding somebody with the next sale item. You know, unless that person that's super relevant to the person, which probably isn't, but maybe um, that's, you know, that's where the similarities are, are definitely the same, you know, intent based relative messaging, whether it's sending an email or an SMS or MMS. Yeah. Yeah. What I, I find, at least it, just just for me, that yeah, the dividing line of my time is a factor in the meaning of the message. The doctor appointment tomorrow, my time was a factor in the meaning of the message. I subscribed right. to text marketing from a couple of brands, just, just as a learning experience in this space. Yeah. Um, one of them's a golf retailer, one of them's a clothing company who I actually kind of like. Both of them, steady yeah. cadence, it's always a freaking sale. And it's always kind of a blast message like it's clearly this right still sun right now and all i've really gleaned from the experience of a few months with those guys is to spend less if i spend it all why because if i'm looking for x right 
t-shirts, new right. cutter. I'll just wait. And sooner or later, it'll pop up in the text from those guys that the thing I was looking for is on sale. And then I'll bother to get it, right? right. Is that what they actually want from me? I don't know. And, and it, it is right. a pain to have the constant, you know, every couple of days it pops up. It, you know, also, I will unsubscribe at some point just for the, just to preserve my own uh, attention. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the same can be held for, you know, getting email that, you know, are just bombarding. I mean, it, yeah. it's the, yeah. that, that part of the process is absolutely identical, regardless of how you're trying to communicate with a customer is keep it intent based, keep it relevant to what their interests are. Um, keep it at a cadence that you, you know, they're, they, they want, um, yeah. all of those things are in play. Yeah. Um, I just think that once there, there's going to be people and we'll probably see it sooner rather than later, there's going to be case studies done around how a company has effectively married the two yep. to really drive yeah. revenue because so. there is something really inherently cool about getting something here mm-hmm. versus waiting for an email to come in. There, there, there's something yeah. really cool there. And, and the companies that can master that are going to be you know, their, their revenue is going to go up for sure. <laughs> I've shown my gray hair here, but I do remember when, well, the killer, one of the killer apps on mobile, early mobile was email for sure. Blackberry. Yeah. I mean, Blackberry was an email yeah. device that happened yeah. phone calls. And I, and people tended to have alerts for email the way we have alerts for text now, as if right. every message that I like, a pop-up for every message that comes in, <laughs> I oh, would not sure. get anything done <laughs> at all now. And and text is sort of sitting there at that level right now. Every text, that I had to mute myself early in our conversation because a friend of mine was sending me pictures yeah. of I don't know, golf or something. I'm like, oh, God, you know, quick, find the mute button. No, funny. Yeah. Well, I speculated on, I speculated on this, and I'm going to stand by the speculation. Would, would Apple potentially be able to make the play for a promotions tab in messages. I would argue they might do that. Oh, oh, absolutely. You can totally see that coming. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that would. Take- I mean, you're you're starting. I don't know if you've updated the latest iOS, but I've noticed in messaging that when you get a text message now from you know somebody that is sending it to you, that's promotion, not promotional, but it's not from like you sending it to me. It's like a store sending it to me. You can, when you go to delete it, you're given the option to report it every time. Have you noticed that? When you delete it, it says delete or delete and report. And and so they're already trying to pick up data. Yeah. In my opinion, they're already trying to understand oh, good how, is, how is messaging being leveraged? How yes. annoying is it? How often does somebody go, nope, keep, nope, keep, yes, yeah. delete and report, delete. Or, it's, it's already that data. There's probably server farms at Apple that are taking all that in. And Android might already provide that. I don't know. I don't, I don't use an Android, but um, I thought that was a really interesting <laughs> update. <laughs> you touched on, you touched on the, uh, the tip of a very big schism there. Actually, I wrote about this on Webula's blog. Seriously. You did? Yes, did last month. Uh, last <laughs> oh, month. my God. I, yeah. <laughs> no, an article about, about the... Outstanding. The, about the big... Um, the big division in messaging, at, at, at least currently, uh, right. Google pushing RCS, uh, Apple saying, yeah, we don't think so. And, and my, my, I'll stand by the prediction, Apple has no good reason 
to, to, to join that particularly fractured and out of sync band. So we'll continue to have detente, Cold War, oh, different sure. platforms for quite a, quite a stretch, which, which will keep email in a different functional role. That, let, me put it, let me rephrase that. If messaging worked as seamlessly and coherently as in theory it could, it, right. we might see a, a different handoff point between email and messaging because of the affordances of, because of the different affordances of both channels while messaging right. is balkanized and fragmented and the lowest common denominator is text only sms then then we'll have a different handoff point uh closer to the urgent important time related personal moment and sure. keep more of the rich stuff i think and the repetitive stuff i think in email uh, it's it's possible. I I think one of the wild cards to all of that is um you know we we tend to discuss SMS and MMS as the same product. Yeah. Um and MMS has always been tough to to deal with just based on um you know the technology to push an MMS message and that has all changed. And I'm telling you if you've seen a rich MMS message pushed to you, it is awesome. It is not just a text message with a link to go somewhere to, you know, it is fully active, interactive. You can buy from it. It's awesome. And I think that there's still, um, you know, there's still room, even within kind of the SMS, MMS world for that growth oh, I agree. Really, yeah. to really happen. Yeah, so I agreed. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Fing, fing, fingers crossed we'll do more of that. Um. MMS is U.S. Canada, MMS, strictly MMS, U.S. Canada yeah. only. So that's a, that's a, that's a bit of a pickle. Um, I don't also, I don't think any of the OTT messengers, the WhatsApp, WeChat, mainly chat, right. I, I don't think any of those, at least in the U.S. market, are going to successfully supplant the, the native messaging app, the, uh, iOS messenger, the um, right. Android messenger, like those are going to be the go-to because that's where you communicate with your friends. Well, it's it, what, in my mind, that comes down to trust. You know, I, I trust yeah. yeah, wrongly or rightly. I trust my, my messaging app that's native to my iOS device more so than going out and creating a WeChat account so that I can, you know, chat with some sort of customer service. And beyond that, what I what I find really, and you've probably had this happen, um, but I absolutely love dealing with customer service via text because, you know, for example, um, you know, when you, I use T-Mobile, all right? Um, when you, if you engage with T-Mobile, they'll move your conversation, obviously, into kind of your, your messaging app. And it's just the iOS, it's the messaging app, but it says T-Mobile. And when you're done, you can delete and it'll say, do you want to leave this conversation? Boom, it's gone. I love that. Nice. I much prefer that than going, you know, over to, you know, WeChat or whatever that might be to kind of have that conversation. So, um, I, but, but all of that to me just comes down to trust. It's like, who do you trust with your, with your, you know, conversation, especially, you know, some of those conversations, you know, even though it might be about your cell plan or whatever, it's still, you know, it's kind of private stuff you're chit-chatting about, right? You also, you also made a really critical observation there, and I'm going to credit T-Mobile just on, on how you said it, that 
treating treating that channel as a conversational rather than a broadcast mechanism. Oh, totally. That's a totally big difference. It's it's huge and it's really cool when when you're involved in it. Oh, I, yeah. at least from I'm a back. customer perspective. Yeah. Because you can blast them. You know, you can go, this is just terrible. And then they were they reply. They reply. So like you've sent an email and then you're waiting for a return within 24 hours or whatever. It's it's a it's a pretty cool thing. And um, most importantly, I just like the immediacy. Oh yeah. yeah. I like yeah. the you know what I'm having this issue or you know, I don't understand this, or being able to just have that immediate conversation yeah. within the 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 messaging app is pretty cool. Well, and and this I'm pulling I'm pulling uh pulling off a really old data set here, but yeah, early days of early days of support. I I started in tech in on phone support when that was the only kind of support. But early days when awesome. <laughs> dating myself, so, cool. uh, <laughs> when when support via uh, chat type mechanism started to become feasible, companies quickly yeah. discovered that one rep could juggle multiple. I think the number was multiple. Two and a half. Yeah, like it's yeah. actually a lot more cost efficient without the without the customer experience going down, because right. conversations there's a lot of dead air time, but you've got to stay engaged in the conversation. If the guy on the other end of the phone or video chat is ignoring right. it, you'll know it. Um, whereas right. if they're multitasking or you know, isochronous working on yeah. you in the chat, you don't really know it and you're okay with it. Yeah, for the most part, I will. I will be. I will say I'm that that person that if I if I'm in that chat mode and I ask a question or I provide them information and then it goes dead for longer than maybe a minute or so, yes, longer than I'm a minute the guy. Like, I I will absolutely go. You still there? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. But your tolerance <laughs> is there. Your tolerance is different. If if I mean, I guess that's why they put you on hold <laughs> on a on a voice call. Uh, but but yeah, we're, well, kind of like this. The other thing that I remember from from the early support experiments was that the the ability to pull in someone else or tap someone else's expertise to solve yeah. the customer problem was was better because there was just a little more time slip in the gears of a, of oh, a conversation. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. Well, and all of that now can just be handed off. I mean, that's something else that uh, again, I, I'm just using T-Mobile as an experience, but um, yeah. if if they need to bring somebody else into the conversation. Because oftentimes your first reach out is straight up customer service, straight right? Customer service. But if you have a technical question or something like that, arguably they got to bring somebody in. But that handoff, even within that messaging process, can yeah. be super slick and cool. It's like, hey, you know, Jack, thanks so much for chatting with me. Here's Amanda. She'll take it from here. And nice. all of a sudden Amanda pops in and it's like, hey, Mr. Wrigley, what can I help you with? I mean, it's nice. Freaking well, cool. Wow. Well, really well. Cool. Okay, so we beat up we beat up texting pretty thoroughly. What yeah. about the future of email? <laughs> oh, I think they, you know, at the end of the day, the future of email is really, really strong. I mean, it's yeah. not going anywhere. It's only going to build. And um, it's, you know, it's incumbent upon all of us to 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 continue to, you know, nurture all the best aspects of email. I think it's incredibly incumbent upon us also to to push the bounds and and understand how it can even be more effective and things of that nature. Um, and to that degree, you know, what, what gets me super excited at times is, <clears throat> again, a, a particular Slack channel that I think you're probably in it as well, but, but I'm in it. It's great. I love seeing the younger people in that. I love hearing their perspective. 
It is so important. You know, that, that whole concept in life of, you know, elders will, will give you some perspective and this is how it was done. And these are, these are some of the ways that we might have navigated through a trying time, blah, 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 all true. But we need to sit back and we need to look at the young people too and go, holy crap, you know, they're right. They're, this, you know, how they're interpreting email and interacting with email and how it works <laughs> in their early lives is where we need to be looking in terms of where's this thing going. Yeah. And um, we, in my opinion, as an industry, we got to do better at that because typically yes. you'll probably sense it. If, if somebody young is in and they ask a question, sometimes they get piled on, not intentionally, but it's like, oh my gosh, they just asked a basic question. Quit, you know, using this as a time to pull out the email Bible and say, no, 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 right? I think we have to do a better job of kind of nurturing that that youthful side of our industry, listening to how you know, they envision email, what's working for them, what isn't, because I think you can take a lot from that along with the history and build a tremendously positive future for the industry. You know, I'm going to blame this on you. Actually, I'm going to credit it to right. you, but I, but I think I just decided that year three of the future of email, I, I, I'm going to have guests under a certain age would that be interesting? Dude, way interesting. I mean, listen, hmm. I'm pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, come on. No. Way interesting. That's here's 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 where where that just resonates big big time for me. You referenced Jenna a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. Jenna is, in my opinion, and she knows this. And this is not new, new news. People in Wybula know this. I think she is part of the future of email. I think her love of the industry and what she's doing around content and, and truly trying to kind of, you know, not just build a vehicle that's been driven in for 35 years, but build new opportunities going forward. She's she's already trying to do that for 2023, right? In terms of her blog process, mm -hmm. that kind of thought, that generation, dude, light it up. I think it would be yeah. massively awesome because there's so many smart people in the early 20s around this industry um, that I, I had uh, a lot. I had Yanatoria uh, Sprocky uh, on yep. a conversation a few weeks back. She's and awesome. She blew me away. <laughs> like, isn't she amazing? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I hate to I've got to, you know, I've got a kid your age. <laughs> wow. You know, like, and her awesome. perspective is her perspective. And it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I, I love what you're saying about younger because, um, for the field to evolve, for it to stay viable, for it to to sync with the times, right? Yes, is is not going to be you and I um, making those calls no. because our sensibilities no. are are different, are in, in you know informed by experiences. Uh, we're not digital natives. Totally. No, we 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 cut our you know we learned we learned. As, as we went, right? It was presented to us. I mean, I remember getting online under the World Wide Web for the first time, and it was through. Yeah. Apple had some sort of like Apple World or something. Do you remember yeah. that? I don't know if you remember. It was like 1995, and it was like you logged in. It was, <laughs> it was sort of this virtual world where there was a grocery store over here that you could <laughs> walk over. And, oh, my gosh. It was like, wow. Uh, no, you're, you're exactly right. Hey, I would also challenge you to not only get the young marketing brain, the young marketing person, the young marketing kind of thought around email, but talk to the young developers. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you. I'd like talk to the to 
talk to the younger folks that are kind of understanding deliverability and, and seeing deliverability and maybe have been in deliverability for a short amount of time and, and they're getting kind of this historical perspective of deliverability. But a lot of those folks will have these kind of cool ideas about, well, here's how we mitigate more of that risk. And here's what I'm thinking. I think that would be a really, really great thing to uh, kind of uncover. Geek out. I love that idea. Oh, man. This yeah, is, man. This is awesome. This is going to be like the the Jack Wrigley special series. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be fun. Hey, wait, when you make it, I just want to, I just want to be, <laughs> I'm just kidding you. I know, I'm, yeah. I, I will. Well, Jack has yeah. been, as I knew it would be, it's been pretty darn fascinating. We've right. all over the place. I really appreciate Thanks. the conversation. Good doctor. I appreciate it as well. Thanks for having me. And uh, it's always fun chatting. Absolutely. So if you're listening and you're wondering where you can learn more about Webula, webula.com, and you can find Jack on LinkedIn, I suspect. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're happy. We're more than happy to, you know, talk to you about what we do, see if it helps you. If it doesn't, no harm, no foul. I suspect it would, but if it doesn't, that's fine. Just uh, reach out. Cool. Appreciate that. Thank you, Jack. All right, Matthew. Take care.